Shakes Pals, happy Throwdown Thursday. We did it again. We made it another week. I'm proud of me and I'm proud of you. This week, I'm so excited because I've got Daniel Kemper on and we're playing a little game of Kiss, Mary Kill. This was inspired by our 30-day Shakespeare challenge on TikTok and Twitter. And it's been so much fun to see everyone's answers. So if you haven't been playing along, make sure you check us out on TikTok or Twitter. Uh, and if you have been, thank you. It's been it's been rad this month just to get to see your answers on some of these very silly questions. So Daniel reached out and we decided to have like a deeper conversation about our answers to Kiss, Mary Kill with Cleopatra, Kate and Lady Macbeth. And you're going to love this conversation. I loved it. Daniel's amazing. And it was just really cool to get to chat about this stuff. Thank you again to Allison for being on last week with Most Powerful Queen. I'm on vacation, so I am going to guess that it was a tie between Gertrude and Tamara because everyone was so conflicted that they didn't know who to vote for because uh, neither of them is a very good person. So um, I don't know what the results are, but congratulations to whoever won. And thank you massively to Allison for coming on to have that really cool conversation. So that's all I got for you today. If you're not following and subscribed and all that jazz to our podcast, please make sure you do that. Every rating and review helps us out immeasurably. So um, I'll, I'll love you forever, even more than I already do. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Protest Too Much, a Shakespeare showdown podcast where a guest and I go head to head each week and you get to decide who wins. Okay, so this week we are taking a little bit of a, a steer away from our normal topics and we are playing some Kiss, Mary Kill. And with me, I'm so excited to have actor and vocalist Daniel Kemper. Daniel, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. It's great to be here. Happy to do it. Yeah, I am. I'm so excited about this. So before I get too excited and we jump right in, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about you, what you do and where they can find and follow you? Sure. Um, so my name is Daniel. I'm an actor and a vocalist based out of New York City. Um, I'm also the casting director and company manager for the Queens-based classics theater company called Rude Grooms that I run with my best friend, Montgomery Sutton. Um, and we also host a podcast of our own together called This Wooden O. That's another Shakespeare reference. Um, and then if you want to find me or collaborate with us, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at the Daniel Kemper. Um, and then my website, Daniel Kemper Axe, ACTS.com. All right. I I was reading up a bit. I was listening to some of your podcast and reading up on Rude Grooms. And it sounds like you've got a lot of really exciting stuff going on. Is there um, anything in particular that's coming up for y'all or that you're really excited about looking forward to? Yeah, we actually, um, back in December, not a, not not this past December, but the December before. Time is an illusion <laughs> because of COVID. Time means nothing anymore. <laughs> um, we actually put together, in lieu of doing a regular winter play because of the COVID restrictions, we put together a radio play adaptation of A Midsummer Night's Dream. It's the first installment of a radio play series that we're developing called Shaken, Not Speared, where it's part, uh, it's, 
almost done like an interview podcast where we will record an abridged version of the play. And then the second portion is we will get our actors together as their characters and we will do unscripted interviews of them in character. So you get the uh, the artists recounting of the Shakespeare play and then the actors as their characters telling sort of like the behind the behind the scenes true Hollywood story. So we put out the first episode as a teaser. The rest are currently in post-production. And I think this first episode, this first series we did in six parts. So part one that was released already has to do with the court of Athens. And we have segment that is just the mechanicals. We have a segment that's just the fairies. We have a segment that is just Hermia and Lysander. And then we have a segment that's just a conversation with Oberon and Puck. I okay, I know what I'm doing as soon as I get off this call. <laughs> and that's you said shaken, not speared. Shaken, not speared, exactly. I am so excited to listen to that. Cause that sounds like it's such a fun time. Very I imagine like Parks and Rec or Office like um style of interviews or that mockumentary style. Sounds so fun. Oh yeah. And it's a it's a really great exercise. Um both for the person who is playing the interviewer and then for the actors, because what we told them is like, we are not following any script. There are no bullet points. There are no like character beats or story beats that you have to hit. We will take this wherever you want to take it. And it's a, it's just a really, really fun improv for like an hour, hour and a half. Oh my gosh, that is, yeah, I can't wait to listen to that. Um, I'm really excited about it. And thank you for sharing it with me. Happy to. Looking forward to that. Um, and now are you ready to, to dive right into this Kiss, Mary Kill game? <laughs> I am. I have been so ready for this since I saw the question on Twitter, because I was like, this is a spicy <laughs> question, and I'm here for it, especially with the three characters that you pose. It's pretty great. Yeah, so our three characters that we're looking at today are, well, our two characters are Lady Macbeth and Cleopatra, and then we've got this third ambiguous Catherine, because there are so many Kates in Shakespeare. I kind of left this one open to interpretation of which Kate you are really going uh, really going for with this because I think your answer could change based on that. So let's define totally. that first. Which Kate did you choose? I assumed, like when I saw the question and then when I sat and thought about it some more, I assumed we were talking about Catherine from Taming of the Shrew. Like that's, that's, that's the yeah. Catherine in my head. Yeah, I think that's what most people... Um, I made it Catherine from Henry V because it suited my answer better. But <laughs> oh yeah, okay, okay, all right. I want to hear this now. Um, so so yeah, let's just recap. What was your kiss, Mary kill from those three characters? Yes. Uh, so my kiss, Mary kill in that order was Catherine from Taming of the Shrew, uh, Mary, Lady Macbeth, and then. Unfortunately, like with no animosity or malice of forethought, I'd have to kill Cleopatra given given the choice between those three. Yeah. So this is um, this is what surprised me on Twitter, because my answer was I was the same with um, Kiss Kate from from Henry Five. Love a good uh, French 
character. <laughs> um, and then I had Kill Lady Macbeth uh, with a decent amount of malice intended in that <laughs> And Mary Cleopatra. So I think your choice of, of Mary Lady Macbeth uh, is the thing that stood out to me the most. So let's just, mm. let's talk about it. Let's start there with our Mary choices. And oh, yeah. talk me through Lady Macbeth. I, um, so hot take on hot take. <laughs> the tragedy of Macbeth is actually my favorite Shakespearean love story. I love Macbeth and Lady Macbeth as a couple um, because Lady Macbeth is such a ride or die, right? <laughs> like she is such a ride or die. And what I love, particularly, they don't like Shakespeare doesn't really talk about it. But what I think is woven into the lines that they say to and about each other is there is this natural sort of intimacy and understanding of the other of of one of the other in in so much that it feels like a true partnership between the two of them with the understanding that like, I'm not always going to be at a hundred percent. You're not going to be always be at a hundred percent, but wherever, like if you start to lean you, I am the person you can lean on. I will be there to pick up the slack for you and vice versa. Like the thing that I think about with Lady Macbeth is when Macbeth writes her the letter about the prophecy from the witches, one of the first things that she says is like, you could be so great. She knows this man well enough to know like where his strengths are, but then also where his where his shortcomings are. Like he could be so great. He does have the ambition to become the king. It's not like he doesn't want this, but he is not as, I guess, heartless and cold and calculating as is required <laughs> to usurp power so it's like if he he can get part of the way and all he needs from me is like that extra five ten percent i can like i can be the one who can be devoid of emotion just to give him a little push because he's already there you know and um i think because i actually i got a chance to play macbeth in college and one of the things that i really liked about his relationship toward Lady Macbeth is that he trusts her implicitly. Like he may have personal reservations or misgivings about committing regicide and <laughs> usurping the crown. But when she's like, no, we can do this. Like it's possible. He's like, great. I'm sold. I'm, I'm terrified, but I'm going to make it happen because Even I know my like partner's here. Yeah, his first address to her is like my dearest partner in greatness is like one of the first things in that letter. And it really does kind of highlight the implicit trust that they have with each other and the support that they have. Mm hmm. And <laughs> what I like what I like as well is, um, you know, that they that they challenge each other and they are particularly when it comes to the murder of Duncan. Like one of the things that I love about Lady Macbeth is like she's a game day player. You know, <laughs> once like once we're once the plan is set in motion, the plan is set in motion like it's go time when Macbeth comes from Duncan's bedchamber and, you know, can't bring himself to actually murder the king. 
Lady Macbeth is off talking to the side where initially she's just like, he looked too much like my father. Otherwise I would have done it. But Macbeth is like, I can't, I couldn't do it. And so she's like, game day decision. Fine. I got you go. And then afterward, she does allow herself one moment of chastisement of him, you know, where she says, my hands are of your color, but I shame to wear a heart so white. Or it's just like, I do, I like, I did what you couldn't, you know, because we're a team, but like, Mm -hmm. but this was information. This is information to me. And like, (laughs) we are together in this. You are my partner, but like, just know that I know that when it mattered in this moment, I had to step up because you couldn't. Yeah. Um, but have you considered a marriage full of, of zero trust instead? Oh, <laughs> because, say more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I think my thing with, with Cleopatra, I think that the crux of the, the reason that Antony and Cleopatra don't work is because they are not in a society where they can be married. He mm. is married to Fulvia, and then he goes back and he is married to Octavia Caesar. Um, and there's never, I think, so much of the the lack of trust and the jealousy. And I mean, they spent. I know this is an audio podcast, so like doing this with my hands isn't isn't helpful. But like they spend so much for the, of the listeners play. at home. <laughs> Stephanie is putting her hands together, clashing back and forth at the fingertips. So it's like lightning hands. <laughs> Just picture lightning yeah, hands. That's what's ex- happening. Exactly. <laughs> they come together and then they're pulled apart by something and then they come back together and they're pulled apart. We have one of my like one of the craziest things to me about Antony and Cleopatra is we have like half a scene where they're happy together. Mm. And that's it. The rest of this, the rest of the play when they're in the same space, they're fighting or apologizing for fighting or uh starting to fight again like it all is it centers around mistrust and jealousy and being pulled apart by the situation that they're in but she has so much love to give she is so I feel like she is so desperate for comfort and for security in a way that if they could have just gotten married had it you know settled legally or whatever it was that kind of gave her the assurance that she knows he loves her, but he's been so pulled away from her in different romantic entanglements, whether there was romance there or not with uh, Fulvia or Octavia. Um, It doesn't really matter because it's got to be hard to be so in love and have so much love and know that someone's always being taken away from you always getting their attention pulled in a different direction. And if it's not uh, marriage, it's war. And if it's not that, it's something else. And so wouldn't it just be nice to give Cleopatra some assurance or some uh, security and comfort that they are allowed to be together and they can give all of their love to each other because they are a team on paper and in their hearts? I That is beautiful. I like... <laughs> I, you know, there's a, there's a part of me that really wants to, wants to co-sign that. I guess my, I guess my issue with, um, with Antony and Cleopatra's relationship is like, number one, I wonder, like, do you think that even if conditions were perfect and, you know, they 
were allowed to like sail off into the sunset on a pleasure barge along the Nile with like no problems, <laughs> no responsibilities, no obligations whatsoever. Do you think they would have actually been able to be comfortable living a sort of like quiet and contented life because she's queen of all of Egypt. And then, you know, Mark Antony helped like helped establish a new, like a new emperor in Rome. Like this is a guy who was revolutionary. So I wonder, like, I wonder if they would have ever had been able to be content to just be with each other. And then I think, I think the issue, like the reason that I couldn't really find myself wanting to, to marry Cleopatra. And maybe this is just like a personal taste, but like, she is to her, like, to her great credit, like you were extolling her virtues just now. She is so full of like love and passion and, and emotion and like depth of feeling. But I think for me, maybe it's just because I'm like, I'm 35 now. I just want like, I want my relationship to be a place of peace. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like I want that. To, I want my relationship to be my port in the storm. You know, I don't want to like, if you are, if you are always at a 10, if you're always up here, if mm. everything is always the most passionate or the most brilliant thing you've ever experienced, that is wonderful. I have such admiration for people who live their life that way. It just can't be me. Like some days I just want to sit on the couch and chill, you know, I want to sit and watch five episodes of Abbott, Abbott <laughs> Elementary together. And oh, like, that's the yes. day. Okay. That show though. <laughs> Uh, I taught high school for a long time and watching that, I was like, Ooh, I'm a little uncomfortable with how real this is. <laughs> my, um, my fiance and I are both teachers. And so we sat down together to watch that for the first time. And we're just like, this is really good, but I'm a little <laughs> triggered. <laughs> I mean, our principal literally bought new signs for our school instead of like actual school funding oh, so no. that first episode no. i was like how dare she quinta <laughs> what have you done <laughs> um but i get that and i think that's fair and here's the here's what i'll throw back at you is mm -hmm. that in the reason that i struggle with macbeth isn't necessarily lady macbeth because i think that to put this on her is not fair but their relationship falls apart because he stops listening. So all of that trust that was there and we never see it come back. And yes. that's my thing for the, the hand thing for Antony and Cleopatra is that they do apologize to each other for the fights that they have or when they don't listen to each other or when they are manipulating each other in some way. They come back together and recognize that they were being kind of trash and then move forward with their relationship. So I think I would rather mm -hmm. have that like knowledge that it's going to end up that we'll be on the same page rather than knowing that. Cause like Lady Macbeth and Macbeth, once he stops listening, like I said, it's not her fault, but they, no, not at all. Communication he he completely down. drops the ball. Yeah, yeah. He, he completely drops the baton. You know, if the, like, if it's, if your relationship is a race, and it's just passing the baton between the two. He completely, like, he drops the baton. He violates, he violates the terms of the agreement because yeah. it was like it's it's the partnership that got you here. And now that you're here, you're just going to ignore the partnership. You're going to drop 
the standard and practice that got you here? Yeah, no, I mean, 100% agree. It's it's not, it is not her fault Yeah, at all. And like yeah. now that I said it out loud, I'm like, oh, like two, because that whole kind of di- dissolving of the relationship, wh- that's why I was like, nah, kill Lady Macbeth, nope. But like now that we've talked it out, I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, but like, but look at, but look at what happens in the end. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's like a cautionary tale for mm-hmm. what happens when you and your partner don't communicate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, you get yourself into a, a foolhardy war with the rifle air and your head gets impaled on the spike and your, <laughs> your partner has a nervous breakdown and kills herself. Like, this is why it's so important to talk people. Um, but I think, what is what's really heartbreaking about about their relationship is her descent really stems from like we are a team mm. we did this together and we've leaned on each other that that's quite literally how we got to where we are in your moment of weakness like in macbeth's moment of weakness it's like you leaned on your wife to do the things that you couldn't do. And now that you're here, now that you're in the place of power, you just completely left her behind. Yeah. You just left her in the dust to deal alone with the weight of this thing that you did together. Like it is tragically unfair. Yes. What the way that she's like, I need my partner. And you're not here for me right now. Like that is, that's the heartbreaking I'm thing. so sad. Yeah. <laughs> like you just, you like just describing it, it is heartbreaking. And for the, you know, taking out the evil that they do, right? Because mm-hmm. they do do a murder. It's, you know, we can't completely ignore that. But if you put it in a way that like they had a goal and they achieved that goal together, and then he just leaves her behind to suffer the consequence without him having any moral like commitment to her anymore. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, take it outside the realm of take yeah. it outside the realm of murder, right? <laughs> Let's say, um, what's another impossible task that we could equivalent like we could equivocate it to in the modern day? Buying a house. Mm-hmm. You know, if you and your partner, you bought a house together. And, you know, you pulled all your resources, you fought with the lawyers, you got the inspection done, like you moved heaven and earth to buy this house, right? And then all of a sudden you bought this house and rather than decorate it together or make design choices, your partner, you know, just turns what was supposed to be the like the nursery for any future kids you might want to have. They turn it into an arcade room. Or, you know, they add uh, like they add a sunroof, they add a sunroom off the back of the house and, you know, take out all of these loans, uh, make all of these really bad like business and contracting decisions. It's like we what is happening? We did all of this together and now you're just making decisions. You're not consulting me in anything like what? How tell me how I'm supposed to feel about this? You know, and then when you come to them about it, it's like and their their response when you come to them about it is like, I don't have time. I don't have time to talk about this. Oh, yeah. you know, 
Yeah. And then all of a sudden she is saddled with this debt and it has spun out of her control. And that is, oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 Okay. Lady Macbeth deserved better is all I'm saying. That's, that's I, the crux of my You argument. know what? I like, I am agreeing with you here. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Kate for a second. Cause we, we oh, hit on Cleopatra yeah. and, um, and Lady Mac. But I want to talk, since we both had that like very, um, very strong, just kiss Kate. That's done. Move it aside. Reaction. I want to hear a little bit, especially looking at Shrew, um, why that was your your first pick. Sure. Um, so I picked Catherine from Taming of the Shrew to to kiss just because, man, I just I think Catherine deserves a nice day. You know, I just want <laughs> Catherine to have a nice day, you know, and it's it's not to say that like it's not to say that like I'm going to kiss her and she'll have a nice day. What I'm imagining <laughs> What I'm imagining when I said that, like, I would that Catherine would be the one that I would kiss. What I was imagining is just like we would have a really nice day date together. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like we will go to all your favorite places. Show me around like in Padua. Where's like where are the cool spots to go? Where do you like to where do you like to go when you have your like your free time? You are completely in charge of the events of the day because she just goes through so much. Are we allowed to are we allowed to curse on this podcast? You can. She goes through so much <laughs> fuckery that it's like <laughs> it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And by the end of the play, like it comes off as a victory that she's like docile and obedient. And I'm just like, wait, so are we saying that it's a win when you when you like suppress the opinions and will out of out of your wife like this uh, is horrible daniel i do think that is what shakespeare was saying <laughs> i yeah and i'm just oh. so i just like i just want catherine to have a nice day you know i just i i want to i want a day where she wins mm, mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah yeah, I like the idea of looking at it like a like a nice like day because it's not a long term commitment. It's not like get rid of them forever. It's just like a really nice day with this person. And I, as uh, I've been to Paris, I've done like the oh look at all these cute French boys kind of a day trip. Um, and I feel like that's why I gravitated towards Catherine from Henry Five. I feel like that scene with Alice is one of the very, very few, regardless of the fact that it's motivated by the fact that the English are invading and that's why she's trying to learn English. Like that part of it aside, we have this really mm-hmm. cute scene between two women who are just like having a good time and being a little silly. And I think that given the opportunity and given like language understanding, Kate could be quite silly and fun. And I think that sounds to me like a nice little whirlwind French romance. So that's I why I that. went with that. <laughs> I love that. That's so sweet. Yeah. She just seems so bubbly and happy. And then, of course, that that last scene is like, how how can you be when this man has just come into your castle, demanded your hand in marriage, but doesn't speak your language? Ugh. 
So regardless of how that, you know, historically turns out, I do think uh, that Catherine also just needs a nice day. Every Yeah, I think the moral of the story is that Shakespeare's Catherines just need a nice day. They all just need a nice day. I mean, Kate Percy definitely just needs oh a nice my, day. Oh, man. Shit. Can you imagine... Can you imagine having to deal with Hotspur on a daily nope. basis? <laughs> no, I you wanna, can't. You want to talk about like Cleopatra feels things at a like at a 10. Everything is always a matter of passion. Imagine being married to Harry Percy. I don't he comes want to. <laughs> he wait like dude wakes up and goes to bed angry. You know? <laughs> My favorite part of I, I love Henry for one so, so, so much. And my Same. favorite part of that play is uh, in the tavern when Hal is like, I imagine this is what Hotspur's day looked like. Oh, I'm killing a bunch of people. And my wife's like, how many people did you kill? And he's like, so many people like <laughs> that. Hal imagining Hotspur scene is just peak comedy because it feels like it's peak Hotspur. Like he gets it spot on. Okay, I I have a question for you, and there's you know, and there's no wrong answer here, you know, uh -oh. but just between between you, me, and the <laughs> internet, um, at the end of at the end of Henry Four, um, when at the end of Henry Four One, when Hal and Hotspur have their like they have their duel, they meet in single combat, and Hal wins. Do you think that when word got back to Catherine? that she was maybe a little relieved. Do you think that like maybe she was able to like relax just a little bit and maybe she felt guilty about it? But, oh, do you think there wasn't just like a twinge of relief when she heard the news? What, are your, what do you think? You know, I think that I'm imagining her kind of relishing in that silence just for, even if it's not sustained and she mourns later or she has, you know, complicated feelings about it. I do think mm -hmm. there was probably a moment or more that she was just like, like deep breath, peaceful. I don't have to hear about the rebellion today. Mm. Yeah. I think maybe instead of like, maybe not joy, but I think there may have been, yeah, a bit of relief there. I like that phrase a lot, relishing in the silence. Yeah. yeah she doesn't get a lot of that. He's even she talking really in his sleep. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't ever shut up. He says so many words and doesn't ever actually say anything. Read, no, like, not at all. Some of his speeches, I'm just like, are we still talking, Hotspur? Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're still talking. <laughs> <laughs> ah. um, Daniel, this is awesome. This was so much fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. I loved uh, I loved this. I loved getting to chat through it. Um, and I I appreciate you joining me for a little bit of silly fun. So this was a delight. Thank you so much for having me. Good. I'm glad. Um, let everyone know again where they can find you and your work. Uh, you can find me on my website, danielkemperaxe.com. And on Twitter and Instagram at the Daniel Kemper. That's D A N I E L K E M P E R. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you all next week.
business. <laughs>